Recorded live in sopping downtown Newtown, this is Rancho Notorious, a podcast about movies and other cool stuff. You can find this and all the other episodes of the show at funeralsandsnakes.net forward slash Rancho Notorious. Welcome everybody to Season 2, Episode 17 of Rancho Notorious. I'm Dan Slevin and here with me in Wellington, New Zealand is Kayla Carruthers. Hi. Welcome. Hi. You made it. I did make it, despite the flooding here in Wellington. Everything about Wellington today has been difficult, hasn't it? Um, well, being, working in the central city wasn't too bad. I was able to get around, but I am um, stuck in town tonight which is a, a bit more upsetting than I thought it would be. <laughs> apparently the highway's it's not open. It's not quite as glamorous, you mean? No, yeah, no. Um, apparently the highway's open and I can't get back to the burbs, but I'm worried about not being able to get back in tomorrow morning with if there's going to be more flooding overnight, so I'm just going to stay in town. It's basically rained nonstop for yeah. what it feels like two weeks. It's insane. Yeah. Today was insane. It was like two weeks of rain in a day. Yeah. It's crazy. And... Um, Everybody's just sort of losing their shit, basically. <laughs> you know, this... I feel like I'm holding it together, but I am feeling a bit tired and run down and like feeling sorry for myself at the moment, so I think I can hold it together for the next hour. <laughs> okay, well, let's try and keep it to an hour, shall we? Because we have, because we're on a we're we're on a pizza delivery deadline, so yes. we have to we have to finish mm. by. Well, I, I tell you what, there will be hell to pay if we don't. So let's crack mm. on, shall we? On today's program, Kaylee and I are going to be. Um, you know, the usual fairly unstructured sort of way uh, about a few documentaries. It's a documentary week, isn't it, mm-hmm. really? Um, we're going to talk about that sugar film, Kurt Cobain, Montage of Heck, and the Kiwi documentary, The Ground We Won. Um, plus, we'll try and sneak in some discussion about the biggest film in the country this week, Pitch Perfect 2. Kaylee, uh, you're also going to give us a rundown on the first wave of film title announcements from the New Zealand International Film Festival. Yes. Um, I know some of our listeners have, uh, in Australia are very excited about the Sydney Film Festival um, program announcement. I'm sure there's a little bit of crossover there, and maybe the Sydney Film Festival will give us some hints as to what's coming for uh, the New Zealand International Film Festival. Maybe they on. will, maybe they won't. Well, if they won't, that'd be a little disappointing, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> And so all of that uh, and the usual mix of uh, news, typos, stats, gossip <laughs> and, uh, and opinion. But before we go any further, Kaylee, you've been monitoring the mailbag. It's, yes. It's, just before we go on, it's two and a half weeks since we did this because the last show we did was an early week show with Andy James. And this is a Thursday show and it feels like I'm trying to remember how, how the whole thing works. I we know. shouldn't take so much time off. No, I know. I, mi- I miss you in between times. Well, I miss you too. And I miss this couch. This is a really comfy couch. Um, Simon Bruckenberg sent us his two-word review of the autumn event screening of The Conformist. Now, before I read this two-word review, did you go see The Conformist or have you seen it before? No and no. <sighs> I've had a big couple of weeks. We can maybe yes. we can talk about that later yes. on. But, yes. um, but Simon is, has become one of our top correspondents. Yes. Great. Welcome to the show. Yes. Um, Tour review for The Conformist. Changing reality. Felt like a dream. 
and then um, included a link to his letterbox review. So covering all of his bases in a 140 characters or less, well done. Mm. Um, Fred Thompson, the always great Fred Thompson, two-word review for Pitch Perfect 2, out of tune. Lazy recycled jokes with underwritten characters, just not as much fun as the first. I won't get into it yet. I'm going to save the Pitch Perfect 2 comments for later, but yep. I'm interested to know what you thought. Because I have opinions. <laughs> no shit. We're going to have to put the explicit um, tag on this one. Sorry. Um, Simon Bruckenberg also tweeted us to a review for the Wellington Film Society screening of Big City, which is essential viewing, sympathetic... No, sorry. Empathetic black and white. Who needs colour? Also with the Letterboxd well, review. Well, that's a discussion for later on, isn't it? Yes. So I feel like Simon should be our like official... I don't want to say alternate content, but like film society, like events. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that the film society, autumn events, the festivals, they are the essential content and the commercial releases are the, uh, are the icing on the cake, really. That's mm. the way I feel about it. Yeah. The gravy. Yes. And also we got some tweets and photos of people receiving their cards and yeah. badges. So and, and and two and a half weeks ago, you gave me a few that were for people we didn't have addresses for, and they st I still have them. Just letting <laughs> you know, it's been a big week. It ha it has been a big week. It's been a big <laughs> week. I've started my new job. Yeah, I am now um, back at the International Film Festival and ZIF, as it's lovingly called. Hashtag NZIF. Hashtag NZIF. Any for our listeners who may be worried, I do get to review this year. But I, everyone has to know that it is a conflict of interest because I work for NZIF. Hashtag conflict of interest. Hashtag conflict of interest. There's not, once we take out hashtag NZIF, hashtag... Con, there's not, you're not going to have any characters left to review online. But, um, but it's not really a conflict of interest because most of the time we review things we want to see. Like, that's the thing of rant shows. Like, we're talking about films we love. Hmm. And it doesn't always happen, like today's episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th it'll be good. Well, but I'm I, excited to get to review this this year. Your 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 life is now um, basically bouncing between film festivals, is it, is it not? It's like it um, in, in a local sense, and then in the months that you have off, you go to film festivals somewhere else. Mm. You are living the dream. I'm living the dream. I don't know if I'll be living the dream so much this year because you know I've just paid off my credit card for my trip last year, but. Um, ADFF, the Abu Dhabi Film Festival, which my partner Ian goes to, has officially been cancelled. That's yeah. Ooh. Ooh, they sent out a press release. It's officially been cancelled. They're more they cancelled that before they cancelled the Grand Prix. They're more interested in funding films, aka more Fast and Furious franchises. Um, so there's that's called investing, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, they, they, they're they, investing. Yeah. Yes, I think that's the terminology they used in the press release. So there's no more ADFF. So Ian's. Ian's looking around at some North American festivals, maybe Toronto. He would, hmm. he would, he would fit right in at Telluride. He would, I know, but I don't think he doesn't have contacts there. He's just following his people. Oh, okay. You know, it's right. like you know people who can just like sneak him in through the side door. Like, oh yeah, this is our projectionist. Right, okay. Pay him. Yeah, and I mean, donuts. Because Telluride, that, I mean, they have like four or five technicians per venue. Yeah, you know, they're great. It's, yeah, it's 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 magic. But then. You know, I, I'd love to recommend Telluride to everybody, but I also don't want too many people to go so that when I go back, it does it's not spoiled. Yeah, you don't want to recognize people there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let's organize a road trip. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, road trip. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, no, I'm just... I'm we digress. Dreaming. Yeah, we totally digress. Anyway, um, we should talk about uh, what people have been watching, shouldn't we? We should be yes. looking at... Um, now, last, last time we did this, we did it very early in the week and there were no stats for anything. So yes. I think we skipped this section. But um, here we are on a Thursday, which means we have the full seven days. Bow, bow, bow. In at number five, down from four, is Boy Choir. Which Did you see that? Nope. Okay. Um, and, you know, back in the day when I saw everything, this would have been one of those films that I would have, um, that I would have forgotten instant mm. instantly and now i i've just gone straight to the forgetting part with that going through the watching <laughs> in between harsh uh in at number four down from three fast and furious seven still in the top five uh in at number three down from two woman in gold yeah we talked about that didn't we uh yes. in previous shows yeah. yes yes um in at number two bumped out of the number one position avengers age of ultron and in the number one position this week pitch perfect yeah um for those people who are just joining us for the first time our discussion an extended discussion of avengers age of ultron is in the previous episode uh so we we're not going to rehash all of that now uh but i i'm very interested at the amount of money that pitch perfect 2 has made over two million dollars this holy week. smoke that's a lot of money <laughs> That for something that's pretty bad. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and Avengers Avengers Age of Ultron in is only in its second week, but it has just had its ass handed no, it's to its it. Third week. Third week, but third hey, week. It's, seriously, yeah, boom. Um, so yeah, well, well done, Paramount for for that. Pitch Perfect Two, which is basically a carbon copy, only slightly faded and tattered around the edges. More racist. Oh my god, isn't it? <laughs> if if you were from Guatemala. You would be extremely offended by a pitch perfect too. Should we do? Should we do this now? Yeah, let's just do this. You've started. I can't, we can't go back. <laughs> okay. So um, this is the laziest, least detail-oriented. Uh, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't believe how slack this was. This is. It, it, correct me if I'm wrong. Directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yes. And the Hollywood Reporter put her on the cover. Uh, of and and it's this is a fantastic achievement for uh for women you know to make a number one uh rating um box office smash like this and you know it, it's a it's a it's a new direction for her and this is this is the least uh, this is not a calling card <laughs> is it no, like that horrible film that was made up of all those like sketches. The one she directed, I really enjoyed. Right. Oh God. Yeah. What was that called? Um, film thirty something. Yeah. Yeah. I I enjoyed her section because it was funny, you know, and it was it was dealing with period humor, which is funny. And oh, had, she did that one. Yeah, that was good. That was great. Yeah. It was really. It was. It was great. Um. I mean, you had to watch the rest of the film to see it, but oh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I just. I, I went, you know, I went into it expecting it to be funny and enjoy it because I did enjoy the first one. But I feel like I have to go back and be like, was the first one this racist? Like this was super racist, and I was in a theater full of mostly white women who were just like cracking up at all these jokes. And I'm like, this isn't funny. Like this is 2015. This these jokes aren't funny. These it's like stereotypes aren't funny. Like this is really offensive and it felt it's like it felt like they were trying to fill their 
like non-white quota with these yeah, overladen that, characters. That's like, right. Yeah, they, 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 they cast for diversity and then undermine it by um, just being completely mean yeah, to and, these people and, all the and, time. You know, there's these three characters who are not European, you know, looking, are just the butt of the jokes and are, like, really out there and... It's just... Uh, why, 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 why? What was, what's funny? Like, what is funny about this film? Okay, what so is intriguing about this film? Like, and also, have you ever heard, like, someone with a non-American accent sing? Because they sure as hell don't have, like, a strong-ass accent like that. What do you, what? What? Mm. Um, what? New Zealand, New Zealanders, when they sing, tend to sing like Americans. It does happen. Um, but the... I think the, the charm of the first Pitch Perfect film was that was the music. Actually, mm. it wasn't the the humour, which was just as um, uh, non-existent as it was here. Perhaps not as offensive as it is in this in this one, but uh, the musical numbers were kind of joyful. Mm. Now, I think it says a lot. I'm going to own up to this a lot about. Uh, my particular stage of life, but I didn't recognize any of the songs that they sang. Oh, the wrecking ball. There was a wrecking ball there for a moment. And I was familiar mm. with that as a concept, mm. but other, other than that, everybody was supposed to be getting super excited about, about what song, what songs they've chosen. And I didn't know any of them. Didn't care either. Mm. Um, the best thing, uh, about pitch perfect to, were um, the Germans. Das Sound Machine. Das Sound Machine. <laughs> and get this, the best thing about Das Sound Machine are the names of the two lead actors who played the, the sort of the... Uh, the <laughs> Token Germans. Yeah. So, uh, Birgitta Hjort Sorensen, mm. and potentially not German, I think, from that name. Um, but I was particularly... I was very taken with uh, Flula. Flulaburg. Oh. Who was also probably not German based on that, but Flula, he was the guy, the, mm. the Teutonic guy mm. as uh, sound machine. But, like, if this took more than a weekend to write, I would be Shit. amazed. Yeah. Um, do you have two words? Let's get... Let's knock this sucker on the head. I wrote mine down. Sour note. Sour. Oh, good one. I wrote, I wrote mine down because I was in a uh, an empty cinema and so I could be making notes on my phone and tweeting uh, simultaneously. So my two words for Pitch Perfect 2, taste vacuum. Ooh. I don't think that's harsh. No, but I think that's the first time we've used vacuum in a tour to view, so wow, there well, you go. After all this time. <laughs> all right. Um, what's going on in Australia? What is going on? Where's my sheet? There we go. I could. Oh no, oh, I do. I do. The you next do Australia. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> thro throwing to you. Um, okay. Uh, oh, interestingly, number six in Australia is Cobain montage of Heck. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, number five, The Age of Adeline. Four, Fast and Furious. Seven, Three, Unfriended. Mhm. Mm Hasn't come out here yet. Uh, no. Is it even going to come out here yet? Because uh, you know how um, distributors feel about horror films in New Zealand. I thought they I thought they usually put them out though. 
No, I think it. it well, who knows? Um, I don't even have the ca- the calendar in front of me, so uh, mm. I'm expecting people to uh, correct us on that. But anyway, that's uh, unfriended is the, is the is uh, the is the that's the Skype horror. Is the yeah. Skype slash Facebook horror? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron and Pitch Perfect too. In North America. In at number five, Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. Get out of here. <laughs> no. Still four weeks, four weeks in. Um, in at number four, Furious 7. That's just what they're calling it, not Fast and Furious, just Furious no, because 7. They, because, because they're, they're, they're Too smarter. Cool. Yeah. Too cool. Number three, Age of Adeline. Number two, Hot Pursuit. That's uh, Sophia Vergara and Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon in uh, Buddy Comedy. Mm, buddy um, Cop Comedy. Yeah. And in the number one position, Avengers Age of Ultron Which in came its out second a week, week. Yeah, second week in uh, North America came out a week later than uh, the rest of the world. Mm. Um, and I... I've been following the debate about whether the amount of money that it's made is acceptable or showing a decline for Marvel or the beginning of the end or whatever. And apparently um, it's, I mean, it's just made, I think the phrase is a metric shit ton of money. (laughs) Um, And if I were Marvel, I really wouldn't be worried at this point. I think that they're basically, um, you know, about to, yeah, you know, I mean, they, they, they're going to need Fort Knox to hold all of the cash from all over the world that mm. they are making. So I don't think they're worried at all. Mm. Oh, it's me again, isn't it? It uh, is. The UK. See, I knew that there would be, I knew there would be a little moment of, uh, uh, a, a, a little oasis in the UK because they're, you know, they might have elected a re-elected a pretty terrible government but they're going to see some more interesting films so uh, number five the age of adeline number four unfriended uh, number three in the uk far from the madding crowd that's i'm assuming it's the same one that's playing at sydney yeah it's the, mm. uh, the thomas hardy there's gonna uh, be only one <laughs> adap- adaptation uh kerry mulligan uh, it, uh there, was, there were trailers playing for it now in in new, Ze- new zealand screens and this looks like it's a, a just a high quality literary adaptation. Uh, the tone seems to be quite quite something. So mm. um, yeah, far from the madding crowd. Number two in the UK is Spooks: The Greater Good. Now this is the featured debut of the uh, long running spy TV series oh. Spooks. in the UK, which has been going for, I don't know, 10 years or more. Um, They've made a feature film of it. Uh, I was talking to somebody just the other day, actually, about how um, Spooks is not the name that's given to it when when it appears on US iTunes, because Spooks means something else in America, not spies. But are we allowed to say what it means in America, or is it like... (laughs) It's, It's slang for black people. So, um, yeah, hence that name now doesn't I travel. Something. Yeah, that name Whoa. doesn't. Um, and then at number one in the UK, Avengers Age of Ultron. How much has it made? 40 million quid. Blimey. I wish I had which 40 is, million quid. Which is actually more than Fast and Furious 7 has. Poof. Yeah, so it's made more in two weeks than Fast and Furious 7 has in six in the UK. Maybe all is not lost. Um, he says, reaching for a different piece of paper. Right, uh, it's documentary week 
here on Rancho Notorious. Uh, a couple of these films that we're talking about have already appeared in the NZIF Autumn Events program, and one of them is a an HBO movie that's being released uh, around the world uh, simultaneously. Let's start with The Australian Contender. Sugar is now found in 80% of the foods we eat. But with the constant confusion over its effects on our health, and with this little person on the way, I feel like I need some definitive answers. The point is to test out a very high sugar diet. How are you going to do that? If you want to match averages, 40 teaspoons of sugar a day. 40 a day. They must be hidden sugars found in commonly perceived healthy foods and drinks. So no soft drink, confectionery or ice cream. I don't know about you, but uh, th the title of this film put me off before I got to see it because it just seems like 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 a working title that they never got rid of. That sugar film, Damon Gamow's uh, Australian investigation into the role that sugar plays in our life. And he has been... He's been the most extraordinary advocate for his own film and for his uh, for his subject matter. He, he's everywhere. Um, is there anything still left to say? Um, I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. It's de it's definitely an intriguing watch. It's it's well put together and it's a very entertaining way to sort of glean this information if you're not familiar with it already. Um, I oh, self oh, self you know, promo here. I quit sugar about a year ago, like March last year. And so watching this film, it was, it added a bit more science on top of the things I'd read, but it was sort of a great like check mark. Be like, why, yeah. why, why did you quit sugar? What was your reasoning? Um, I decided to quit sugar because for my health. Um, and I found that, um, it was much easier to like manage my blood sugars. And I just, it evened out my mood if I'm not eating sugary snacks during the day, um, and yeah, just just to I guess try it out, see how that decided to go, and it 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 really worked. I mean, working at festivals, obviously, I fall off the cart many times, but um, getting getting back into it is much easier than the first time. I, so. I gave up, I gave up sugar about six months ago, but how I, do you feel? Well. The film actually was a, an enormous surprise to me because I thought I was giving up refined sugar. Mm. So I stopped. Uh, I wasn't taking in coffee anymore, but I basically gave up desserts, ice cream, all the things that I knew sugar was in. Mm. And that was that was tough for me because I used sugar as a um, as an energy burst to get through mm. get through a day and. Um, I was working, for people who know Wellington, I was working very close to uh, a cafe called Fidel's, which <sighs> has just <sighs> the most extraordinary cake selection and biscuits and, I mean, just, oh, God, to die for. And so I've, I, you know, I, I went, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to I'm gonna draw the line. We used to have uh, post-dinner dessert treats here uh, at home. Uh, you know, we'd be, you know, when we do Hollywood at home, we would have, um, you know, a little, a little mini mag. We thought we were being great, we're having a little mini magnums, not the full oh, blooded yeah, ones. See, and I love Maltesers. Like, I love going to the yeah. cinema and just like crunching on a bag. Yeah. Of those. So there's all, there's all of that stuff going on. And then I watched Damon Gamow's film, and I realized that that for me was the transcendent moment. Was that I was like, oh, sugar's in 
everything. Mm, it's yeah. you know, and so I feel like wow, if I could give up all of the sugar in the stuff that you don't taste the sugar in, that's just there as a flavor enhancer or just there as, um, I don't know, uh, an energy giver. Maybe then I would have, then I could go back to Fidel's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, because when I decided to do it, um, I followed like the Sarah Wilson model. I didn't do the, you know, detox and only eating this food and this food and this food because it's really hard having diabetes you can't just like cut things out right away and just eat salad because you're gonna pass out um but it was it's definitely not an easy thing to do um it's can be if you're you know if you're going sort of cold turkey like i did it can be quite painful experience um like physically physically but also psychologically Mm, yeah because it's like you it's it's sort of learning to get over it's like no i can't have that and then sort of slowly reintroducing or finding new foods so i found i have much more of a i mean i still have a huge sweet tooth but i will you know prefer to have savory things like the only way i got through um quitting sugar was eating peanut butter nonstop. basically <laughs> we we did so. we did a screening uh the wellington screenings of that sugar film you and i uh tag teamed the Q&A. yeah the q a's mm. for them uh, you did the Friday night, and I did the Saturday afternoon. And uh, I wonder, because a question came from, came from the audience after the film, the Saturday afternoon, about stevia and uh, natural or even unnatural sugar replacement um, things. And you know, because you know, stevia is I mean, it's, it's getting f- put into everything now. There's this green Coke now. Oh, that's so, such a sham. Right? Um, There's so much sugar in that Coke still. <laughs> 30% less. But uh, but there you go. And, and it was, it was, did that, I mean, did that question come up on Friday, on the Friday night for you as well? No. Um, it was, it was interesting. It, uh, the, most of the questions, or uh, the one question that came up that I really remember was, you know, it's like, this sounds great. You know, I, it may not be for everyone, but. But, like, what do you do when you're on the road, when you're, you know, running around, you don't have time to pack healthy snacks? And it's, and the answer is, and I would just agree to them, it's like, you just, you have to plan ahead. Mm. Like, you can't just go out, you know, on a road trip and not pack your own food because you're going to go to the, you know, the gas station and you can get, a like, a bottle of water or diet soda if you feel comfortable having aspartame and, like, a bag of chips. And that's, like, all that's in there for you to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the the stevia question was a really interesting one for me because he uh, Damon Gamo, the filmmaker and the the advocate, talked about how he is not a believer in stevia because he is conscious of that that taking on on board foods replacement foods that are mm. full of stevia that don't do the that don't have the chemical um, impact on your body. Mm. They still have the psychological impact on your body. They still feed the craving. Mm. So they don't actually change your your way of life. Mm. Yeah. And um, I th- that I thought was a really interesting observation because um, the the addictive nature of uh, of sugar was, you know, that discussion in the film was a really interesting one. I mean, this is... Let's get back to the film as opposed mm. to the sugar stuff. Um, the film itself is a really well constructed 
explanation like as, it, as science communication goes mm. it's pretty good eh? nutritional stuff is all very yeah. well explained it is very well explained and i found it really funny because after my roommate watched it he decided he wanted to quit sugar but this film is his only frame of reference so he keeps saying stuff to me and i'm like dude i've been reading labels since i was 10 years old since i was diagnosed with diabetes like you cannot like front me for for this like i know how to read labels um <laughs> but labels but actually if you're new to this labels mm. need some decoding for, oh, for yeah. the for the newbie right yeah of, of course of course so i mean it, it is a great film and it's obviously inspired change in my flatmate which is great um so, so yeah if if you do decide to quit sugar i mean do educate yourself don't just jump into it i mean it's like changing anything with your diet do as much educate as you know education as you can um but it's a yeah it's a great starting point for people um and there, and, and damon is so nice like he's such a cool guy he's, he's he's a lovely guy very generous with with his time and uh with his respect for other people's opinions mm. and you know as a q a subject he i mean he just was the it was a gift wasn't he, mm. he just it didn't just, have to do anything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so there are there are a couple of aspects of the film if you haven't seen the film listeners um i should warn you that if you have any kind of a dental phobia oh god Ooh. there's going to be there's going to be a section that and I, I you know i've seen the film twice now and both mm. times i thought that section went on a little too long too much it's too much <laughs> but just because it felt to me that that wasn't necessarily the subject mm. You know, it was just diverging a little a bit from the sub, the main subject, but also um, the other the other area that I found extremely interesting was the Aboriginal communities, yes. and um, the and it was the only mention of alcohol, hmm. and and you know that I mean alcohol has a huge amount of sugar in it. I mean hmm. a lot of a lot of the sugar gets turned into alcohol as part of the the process, um, but there's also a lot lot left over and. Um, you know, I've I it, it, I wonder whether there was another chapter that could have been told in the film about you know particularly for Aussies and Kiwis mm. who you know spend Friday and Saturday night drinking beer. Mm. Um, there's you know there's no sh- there's no shortage of sugar in that that could be avoided, I guess. Mm. Well, and I think the book goes more into that. Right. Um, so that sugar film is also he's also made a book with sort of recipes and how he did it and the science and stuff um which is a great little companion piece um but yeah i mean he's he's just he's put together a great program it's like it's not just a film it's a film it's a book there's an outreach program for schools there's it's like whole thing you can go to the website and they have, he has all these recipes and it's quite impressive mm. so two words um delicious taco all right life-changing mm. for me yeah, very much so. Okay, um, time to uh, get grungy. I was underdeveloped, immature little dude that never got laid. Oh, poor little kid. I don't know how anybody deals with having your whole family reject you. Kurt became really unruly. He hated being humiliated. You can see the rage come out. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I said, you better buckle up, because you are not ready for this. Kurt Cobain. Actually, I think in the US it's just called Cobain, because 
Mm. We're supposed you to just need, know. You just, yeah. Uh, montage of hate. I haven't seen this yet, but I really want to see it. My sister-in-law loved this film. Oh, okay. Mm. Maybe we should get... Can, is, she, is she available? <laughs> I think it's like one in the morning <sighs> in Vancouver. Um, and she's she's still recovering from surgery. So. <laughs> oh, crumbs. I didn't want, didn't want to delve into fam, family secrets. <laughs> no, she's good. Okay. Um, so... We, uh, Karen and I did see this film and, uh, it was, um, you know, the first two thirds of it, I guess, you know, in dramatic terms, the first two acts were, uh, were really interesting and taught me a few things that I didn't know about. And then the final third where the deterioration is so palpable of both him and Courtney Love, his wife that it was incredibly distressing for us mm. both. And I don't know, because this is a film that's, this is the first Cobain film of many, that mm. you know, that has actually had the um, authorization of the family of Courtney Love. They've had given the filmmaker access to uh, home movies, to his um, diaries, his notebooks, this is the first film that's really had this access to everything that was going on in his head. And and yet, I think the family think that they're, and Courtney Love think that they're coming off all right, mm. and yet they don't. Oh. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it, it is, it's a tragic story, and the more you think uh, Kurt Cobain was... An extraordinary artist, the greater a tragedy you'll think it is. Now, I personally think that one great album and a half, which is really what Nirvana's legacy is to us, um, oh, and the live unplugged uh, mm. album, so maybe, okay, let's call it two halves, um, isn't enough for us to know whether he was, you know, one of the great, well, you know, should, should be elevated into the pantheon, mm. you know. He, he, Leonard Cohen's still writing in, into his 70s. And, you and know, still touring. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? So yeah. let's not get too hyped up on whether Cobain was uh, was right up there with the... So, you know, as a human being, though, the story is kind of universal. Um, a guy, a, a kid who is um, traumatized by his parents' divorce, uh, goes off the rails... Uh, is shuttled from house to house with nobody really wanting to be able, wanting to connect to him. Uh, becomes like starts to self medicate with uh, marijuana and alcohol and what have you. Um, and then just sort of finds finds himself in in music, you know, in in punk, particularly what Americans call North Americans call punk rock, um, and. You know, and I don't imagine that that story is is particularly unique to him. I think mm. that would be would be would be very common. Aspects of Cobain's life that I didn't know about before that that I thought were fascinating was that he suffered from uh, massive stomach pain mm. for years from his uh, late teens until he died, and. He and, and and that pain helped fuel the self medication that went on, which led to the 
the drugs that eventually um, tormented him enough to, 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 to kill him, uh, but also uh, fueled the rage and the pain that went into a lot of the, the music. And Karen and I uh, walked out of the guy went uh, out of the film and went, well, well, maybe he was maybe he was celiac. Maybe he was an undiagnosed celiac. Mm. That you know that nobody really in 1991 or 1987 or whatever it was, nobody knew anything about it. He also, and this is the I guess the part of the tragedy was that there was nobody parenting him at that point who could say, "Wow, you have these." M- massive stomach pains that are causing you incredible distress let's go and find a doctor who can find out what this is all about nobody the the, the great tragedy of Kurt Cobain it seems to me from the film is this is this parental absence mm. you know and it, and that parental absence isn't just uh in terms of his his uh his birth parents or his step parents or whatever but it's even when Nirvana became this 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 massive phenomenon who was managing that band who was who was looking after these young kids and trying to guide them through what they needed to be guided through instead of trying to to, to strip as much money out of this phenomenon as possible as fast mm. as possible so you know like somebody should have been looking after these kids whether they were kids or whether they were rock stars mm. you know and he he just had to fend for himself, and then Courtney Love steps in and adores him, and he adores her, and the two of them are completely toxic for each other <laughs> to the extent that, that, that there's a the, there's a long period in the final third of the film, which is home movies of them, home videos that they made. Uh, in their in the first sort of stages of the relationship, and then uh, in Courtney Love's pregnancy, and then the baby, and that's incredibly distressing. All of it, mm. you know, they are obviously completely messed up people, mm. um, and doing damage, not not aggressive, violent damage to each other, but just there's no adults. Mm. There's no adults in the room to say, you know what? I mean, even even after the baby's born and there's nannies around, you know, the nannies are just trying to pick up the pieces around what these these loose unit adults are, are, are doing. Nobody's saying, you know what? This is how this is supposed to work. This is how you bring up children. This is how you look after yourselves. You know, it's like where did they, where where did these people get taught the basics? There's a there's a moment where or there's a scene in the in uh, the family bathroom where Cobain shaves without shaving cream and I wanted to tell him who brought you up that's just gonna wreck your face. <laughs> oh, God. You know? So before you spoil too much of the yeah. film, uh, do you have two words? Um, well, the spoiler is he's dead, <laughs> basically. Um, two words for it would be um, depressing. Pain, Jeez. like this, yeah. It, it really, it's it's not a film that's easy to get like positives out of. Mm. Um, France has been 
the daughter is an executive producer on the film, so I presume mm. that she's seen all of it and approved all of mm. it. I would be very surprised if Kurt Cobain was actually alive, whether he would have approved any of it. Mm. You know, like, it, I, I, it just strikes me as... I said this to, uh, to somebody on Twitter, actually, after I'd, after I'd seen it, and, uh, and, and it still holds true now. Like that f- The final third of the film is so painful that, you know, I don't think I've ever watched a documentary where I knew somebody was going to die and I wanted them to die faster. But this was as close as I've ever got, you know. It was really like, we know how this is going to end. Can we just get there? Because this is just tormenting me. Particularly when they're, when the baby is involved and they're bringing up the baby mm. and, the, and the, you know, and you're just thinking, oh, mm. you know. In, in New Zealand terms, SIFs would have been called, you know. Mm. Like, this is, I, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was hard work and, I'm not a great. I'm not a lover enough of the art to feel like that that transcended mm. any of the other stuff. It seemed yeah. to me that, um, you know, so much pain, so much uh, self destruction on on all sides, and nobody giving a shit about mm. anything other than um, either right now or just stripping the money out right now. You know, yeah, so depressing. Anyway, <laughs> so um, <laughs> was that enough? Yeah. Yeah. I, seriously, it was. It was a hard. It was a hard, mm. hard watch. Um, anyway, uh, time for some news. Well, um, hopefully these other documentaries won't be too harrowing that are coming to New Zealand. Um, The New Zealand International Film Festival announced their first five titles for the program today. Um, Five out of 160-something. 100-and-something. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And the theme that... Can I say we? I don't know. If, I don't feel like I can say we. The, the theme that NZIF has gone with for the first announcement is Sundance Award winners. So there's the documentary um, The Wolf Pack. There's the documentary... The Wolf Pack. That's not the, that's pack. Not, um, the Leonardo DiCaprio documentary. No. Oh. This is a documentary that sounds amazing. Um, and it's about the lives of six brothers and I believe one sister whose father has confined them and their... And their sister, since birth to tiny the tiny bedrooms of a Lower East Side apartment in New York. And the interesting thing is, when we announced this, Gemma Gracewood apparently lives a couple blocks away from this family. And she had no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, New York's a big place. <laughs> yeah. Um, from the U.S. dramatic competition, there's The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is based on the graphic novel by Phoebe Glockner. Um, and stars Belle Powley, my favorite Kristen Wiig, and my other favorite Alexander Skarsgård. So I don't feel like I need to say anything more about this. Just go see it Mm -hmm. because it's great and it's funny. Um, And it's another film directed by a woman, so awesome. Uh, There's Amrika, which is the um, audience award winner for World Cinema, which is written and directed by Prashant Nair and stars the um, guy from Life of Pi. Yeah, who who and Life of Pi was his first film. He was yeah, sort of Siraj from Sharma. Yeah, yeah. So that that'll be great. You know, a little road movie. 
in India. Uh, there's Matthew Heineman's Cartel Land, which goes behind the scenes of the Mexican drug wars and has apparently this amazing footage where he just got invited to, you know, see all these things. And it's, you know, part of it, you're amazed that you're watching it. Another part, you're horrified because you're seeing, like, people getting killed on screen. And it's intense gross. and amazing. Gross. And gross. Yeah. Um, so if you're... You I know, might skip that one. Oh, I, I want to see it. I'm squeamish. Um, and then the fifth title is Grandma, which is comedy from about a boy director, Paul Weitz, starring Lily Tomlin as a badass gram- granny who takes in her pregnant teenage daughter. So yeah, if you'd like to know more about those, head to the NZIF website. News item is up. The, the films are up if you want to read more about them. Um, definitely recommend seeing those. And how has the autumn events gone down for people? It's going, it's going well. Oh, that's right. It's still going for some. It it is still going. It's actually the final weekend this weekend, listeners. Um, If you are in Wellington, there's screenings of Pinocchio and 2001 A Space Odyssey. And if you're in Christchurch, you get A Hard Day's Night, Pinocchio and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh Final weekend of autumn events. I I wished that I had been unemployed sooner. So mm. that I could really take advantage of it. The Conformist was the one that I that that I really feel like mm. I you know I've seen two thousand and one a lot recently and uh, I've I even, never seen it on the big screen, so that's why I'm going. I slept through most of a screening of that in seventy millimeter at the you region. Be ashamed. I am ashamed. I'm <laughs> perpetually ashamed. Uh, but it was a late show, and it was one of those Ant Timpson late shows. And mm. it was, you know, 11 o'clock on a Friday night at the Regent Cinema on Queen Street, and 70mm, 2001. It's long. Some oh. of, Yeah, some of my favorite films I saw at festivals this year I slept through because they were at like 10th, started at 10.30 or 11 at night, and I just couldn't maintain it anymore. So. I think any, I, I, I'm sort of coming around to the idea that if I sleep through it, it means that I'm that it's not making me full of rage, you mm. know. Yeah, and I don't. I think if sometimes if you sleep through a film, it doesn't mean it's a bad film. It just means you're really tired and you've probably watched too many films that day. <laughs> or it's kind of hypnotic with a with with yeah. one of those Philip Glass soundtracks. And yeah, know. I think the reason the one of yeah one of my favorites. I think the reason I fell asleep because it was hypnotic. It's a good excuse. It's true though. It's amazing. <laughs> Moving on, Google Translate is being blamed by some Chinese moviegoers for the incomprehensible subtitles on their version of Avengers: Age of Ultron. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Weibo user IM called Three Tooth said he was shocked by the translation, reporting the woman in front of him almost cried and said she was going home. Thanks to Darren Bevan for this hot tip. Yeah, he's he's on he's on the case. What a why Google Translate? Uh, apparently, they have they have identified a, uh, that that it was a, a legitimate uh, translator employed by Disney. Uh, same guy. Actually, I've got this. I do have this. Here we go. A little bit more news about this. Um, uh, apparently, according to Baidu, the translator is veteran Liu Dayong, who also did The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, Avatar, and Titanic. Mm. So, um, so this Google Translate accusation is not cool and not fair. Um, but apparently, he was tutor to Jia Zhuyan, who translated Guardians of the Galaxy last year, uh, which also caused strong viewer reactions because of his literalism. And that's the problem, is that there are very literal tr- translations of dialogue. Right. right? Um, but my favorite, possibly, the, this is, we, 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 could, we could shut the... 
We can shut the whole podcast down right, right now on the basis of this information. Apparently, Guardians of the Galaxy in China was known as Interplanetary Unusual Attacking Team. <laughs> we should just stop. So, oh God. That needs to be the name of Andy James's podcast. Andy, if you are listening, which I don't think you are because you don't have internet, we have the name of your podcast. Yeah. Interplanetary Unusual Attacking Team. <laughs> We could just stop. We don't. We don't need to do yeah. anything else for the except. rest of this podcast. Um, except, <laughs> except, except we've got we've got the women. To ex- think about. Yes, the American Civil Liberties Union is calling for an inquiry into why women are so poorly represented in Hollywood hiring statistics. Reports the New York Times. Women directed only four percent of top-grossing films over the last dozen years, and then you have women like Elizabeth Banks directing Pitch yeah. Perfect too, yeah. and it's just like setting, you're, setting bringing yeah. you're bringing us down. You're bringing us down. Let's 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 set it back up. The Cannes Film Festival has opened, but already Venice has stolen some of its thunder by announcing that Alfonso, how do you pronounce his last name? Cuaron. Cuaron. Okay, Maybe. Cool. cool. Let's go with that. Alfonso Cuaron is going to be president of their jury. Mm. There you go. And speaking of Cannes, Agnes Varda will receive the honorary palm, a prize not handed out every year. Woo. Previous recipients include Clint Eastwood, Bernardo Bertolucci, and Woody Allen. As you might guess from that list, Farda is the first woman to win the honorary prize. Mm. Yay! And the, the, Ladies the, in the news. Can a very? Uh, they've been very keen this year to uh, remember that women exist. Yes. Good. Good. In Kiwi movie news, Taika Waititi and Jamie Jemaine Clement's vampire spoof What We Do in the Shadows has been released on home video in the US and immediately became the number one comedy on US iTunes, as well as winning the audience award at the Louisiana Film Festival. Legs. Ooh-wee. This film has legs. Yeah, Louisiana. All right. Um time to uh, get to a next our next documentary mm. and uh, this is we're gonna go out to um, small town rural Kiwi land. Just probably being hard and fierce, probably the main thing, yeah. Just one form of being a gladiator, I suppose. Be quite good to have my own farm, be able to send a lazy wheelchair and not milk any cows anymore. Have workers doing it. I think I'm going to hang my boots up after the season. I said that a couple of seasons ago and I'm still here, eh? So we'll, we'll see. We make a tackle, we've got to get up and get the ball and we pass it. Who can do that? I can't hear you. Okay, I get the message. All right, that's a film called The Ground We Won, and uh, it's made by... The directors of How Far Is Heaven. Which is one of the best New Zealand documentary films ever made. How Far Is Heaven is just wonderful. And we'll put a link to this in the show notes, but we interviewed uh, these guys. Christopher Pryor and Miriam Smith. Yeah, on the last, uh, on on our previous podcast that we don't name, but we'll put a link in there because uh, we, we all loved How Far Is Heaven. And actually How Far Is Heaven is the only time I've actually been quoted on the back of a DVD. Really? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I still haven't seen it. Really? You really? Can take, well, you can take my copy away yeah. and have a, have with a look your, at with it. With your name on it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but you've now you've seen this because it's part of the Inziff Autumn events yes. before it, uh, uh, but it has been released. Yes. Uh, in a limited sort of uh, way since then, mm. um, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Uh, I, there, there seems to be some kind of pushback about the fact that it's in black and white. What's that about? 
Um, well, at the Q&A, um, the, uh, Chris Pryor explained that there's a lot of reasons that they did it in black and white, like um, how it makes it more mythological, how it, and you know, because it, it makes makes into mythology it gives us the opportunity to critique it and you know all these really really like art school answers and he's like and it just looked better yeah fair enough <laughs> which so it is it's it's stunning in perhaps black we and should, white. we should take a step back and and for those people that uh listening outside of new zealand mm. specifically um what the ground we won is about and why um mythology or myth, mm. a, a kind of mythological approach would mm. be appropriate. Mm. Well, in the big picture, the ground we won is about um, New Zealand male identity and rugby and men bonding with one another and, you know, playing sport and expressing themselves and, you know, being men. So is, is, it, is, is rugby an, like an entree into a, a, a greater cultural um investigation or is it just about rugby well it's it's not just about rugby it's about the it's about the the characters we meet um so it's about a, a small rugby team in Reparoa. and um miriam and chris went there and stayed for a year and filmed this this rugby team who at the time when they arrived were like were terrible. They were losing every game. They were really struggling, and so they, you know they thought that would be a really interesting um, story of of this team, you know, struggling but really dedicated, practicing every night. You know, good mates, and they're they're all farmers in this really small town. Um, but but once they started filming, the team actually picked up and ended up going to the finals. <laughs> so, no. Yes. So um, it is. I mean it. <clears throat> On the surface, it is about rugby because you're watching them play rugby, you're watching them practice rugby, you're watching them teach rugby, you know, watching them, you know, talk about rugby, talk about rugby. <laughs> um, but it's it's really about the experience of this community, and, and you only see women twice: once when there's a stripper, <laughs> and another time when it's sort of the end of the year award giving, and their their wives and girlfriends are there. Um, and there's shots of of women in the crowd cheering them on, um, but it, this is a documentary about the New Zealand, the rural New Zealand male experience, or at least the New Zealand rural male experience for this group and, of guys. Well, it's funny, like it probably is a documentary about the rural New Zealand female experience in a very subtle way. Like one of the great things about the uh, the previous film was how what they chose to put put on screen left enough gaps for you to fill in yourself. It didn't tell you everything. It didn't mm. try and explain everything. Mm. And so you got a sense of um, the wider community and the wider uh, world from the choices that they'd made. And, mm. and I think that that's their, their great talent as, as filmmakers is... Um, yeah, so making making selections that uh, that aren't going to just give you everything on a plate. You know? mm, exactly, um, and it also, you know, it, it, you know, as a female watching it, I didn't I didn't feel ostracized from the film at all. It's like you know, it was it was an examination of of you know New Zealand and and maleness and you know rural maleness in a way not that i assume that every 
man who lives on a farm plays rugby obviously (laughs) but it was just it was it was beautifully done and it had a a great story to it and it was you know had all these ups and downs of this rugby team of you know older older guys who you know had twins and he was separated from his wife and the you know slightly younger good-looking farming like captain of the team and a young guy who would just move to the town and you know he was getting indoctrinated and burst into tears on the us. I've got a question for you. As as a, a New New Zealander mm. and uh, somebody who's who's really lived in Wellington mm. primarily and visited Auckland, did were you aware prior to the film about what small town New Zealand was like? Did it surprise you? Were there did you feel like you got a sense that New Zealand is very, is several very different places, you know, like depending on how far into the hinterland you go. Mm. Well, um, from travel, I've done quite a bit of traveling around New Zealand. So I, from seeing it, I'm aware of how different, you know, everywhere is. I mean, you can drive an hour outside of any town and be somewhere completely different, um, which is very, very different from Canada, where things are hours and hours and kilometers and kilometers apart. Um, and I knew, you know, before I even came here, I think most people know that rugby is a big part of New Zealand culture because that's, aside from milk and cheese and beef, as a huge export is is rugby. And I grew up in um, a small town with a lot of, with, you know, out farming communities just outside of town. And all the boys in high school, not all the boys, a lot of the boys in high school played rugby. My brother coached rugby. So I grew up, you know, with that. Obviously not this rural. Um, but it was, it was a great picture of something that I hadn't experienced and but it felt very new, very unique to New Zealand. Like it was very, um, yeah, something really special. Yeah. Okay, two words. Ooh, um. God, isn't it funny how we always it, it always seems like <laughs> I'm trying I to never do like a, thought about it. I'm like trying to do a rugby pun, and I'm just like, no, there are no rugby puns. Oh. Um, Scrumptious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my god! Yes, scrum dash shus. <laughs> I haven't even seen the film, but there we go. Uh, I am the king today of two word reviews. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show for this fortnight. Uh, in two weeks' time, after the dust has settled, you might say we're mm-hmm. going to be looking at Mad Max Fury Road and the whole Mad Max phenomenon. I'm uh, so excited! Special guest Ben Woodward uh, here on the Rancho Notorious Couch. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to us at funeralsandsnakes.net forward slash Rancho Notorious, where you will find ways to communicate with us via email, or you can make comments on the website. And we got another one from your mum. <laughs> Did you not see that? No. Okay, uh, she was correcting us on something, so oh, here we go. Oh, bless. Oh, thanks, Mum. I'll, I'll just look it up for a second and uh, make we have sure to that... Read it. <laughs> we have to get ready. They're coming. Corre- corrections. They're coming. They're going... Listeners, my parents are going to be on the show, so brace yourselves. It's going to be great. Okay, so... Uh, another great podcast. This should have been at the beginning. Sorry. Another great podcast enjoyed by these two Canadians. Since facts, inverted commas, are something you are looking for on the show, we have a correction on one from this show. John Hanna, who played keyboards for Brian Adams, is a first cousin to Murray, not a second cousin. <laughs> 
Sorry. Looking forward to the next episode, they say. There you go. Sorry. Correction. Correction. I don't know who I'm related to. Anyway, um, if you'd like to leave us a comment, like my mom, um, you can you can you can leave it on the website, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rancho Podcast. That's R E N C H O Podcast, all one word. Where we like to tweet about stuff when we feel like it, <laughs> uh, and you can also interact with us um, on Letterboxd. Our username is Rancho Notorious, and thank you. I'm going to thank her every single week mm. to Reese Pie for listening to the episode and translating our two word reviews because she's legend. such a dear, absolute legend. Okay, this show is a Funerals and Snakes production. Season two it has been. Ex- Executive produced by Robert Catto, Random Films, Claire Quiray, Mark Cuby, Anthony S. Pratt, Fred Thompson, and Matthew Buchanan. The theme music is Ennio Morricone's The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly by Lost Plantronics. You can buy that at the iTunes store, and we're going to play you out with some more music, as we always do. Now, I've never been the biggest fan of uh, Nirvana, um, but some of the songs are all right, I suppose. Um, so here's Willie Nelson taking on Smells Like Teen Spirit for Andrew Denton's musical challenge in Australia. Bravos to uh, Karen, uh, who's in the other room, making sure that everyone who visits us here at Rancho Notorious is well-fed, well-watered, very well-looked after. Thank you, Kaylee, uh, and thanks to everybody for listening. We're off for some pizza. Woo! So that's <laughs> good evening from me, Dan Slevin. And good evening from me. Tune up. Okay. This is Willie Nelson tuning up for Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit. With the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now, entertain us. Feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now, entertain us. Thank you.